Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the All Things Strength and Wellness Podcast. I am your host, as always, Robbie Burke, and we are brought to you by upmentorship.com, one of the top strength and conditioning resources available online today. This episode's guest is Dr. Ken Kanakin. Ken is a chiropractor and a certified strength and conditioning specialist. He's also competed in bodybuilding and powerlifting for over 30 years and regularly lectures across Canada, the United States, and Europe to doctors and personal trainers on the areas of weight training, rehabilitation, and nutrition. Dr. Kanakin is also the author of Optimal Muscle Training and is the founder of the Society of Weight Training Injury Specialists, also known as SWISS. SWISS educates and certifies doctors, therapists, and personal trainers in the prevention, treatment, and rehabilitation of weight training injuries. On this episode, Ken and I discussed many topics. We discussed Ken's background and his influences, uh, what it was like for Ken to treat Tony Robbins, the good and not-so-good things that Ken sees within the training and rehabilitation professions, assessing and treating the brain when dealing with chronic rehabilitation issues, Ken gives us an overview of his rehabilitation system, how Swiss started, we also discuss anabolic steroids and the need for more open and transparent information and education to be made more easily available to the masses. Ken gives all the listeners his top advice, his top resources, and finally, if Ken could invite five people to dinner, dead or alive, who would he invite and why? Guys, this was a really great episode with Dr. Kanakin, and I hope you really, really enjoy it. Okay, Dr. Ken Kanakin, it's an absolute pleasure and an honor, sir, to have you come on to my podcast. Just for the listeners, Ken, who mightn't be too familiar with who you are, which I would imagine won't be too many people, just for listening <laughs> on the background. Um, so uh, my profession is uh, chiropractic, but I've uh, worked in a lot of different areas, too, as far as developing the skills. My focus has always been on weight training, weight training injuries, and um, so I graduated in... Uh, 1990 uh, as far as from chiropractic college and then just started to develop uh, different ideas and concepts um, on how to treat weight training injuries because that's actually how I got into uh, the profession. So I sustained a knee injury getting ready for the Canadian powerlifting championships. I was squatting about 525 in the 165 pound class and two weeks before I was squatting and it sounded like a bed sheet ripping you know in my right knee so I, I you know I started to recover from the injury but I couldn't squat over 400 pounds and um, so I went to see medical doctors and physiotherapists massage therapists and everyone else and you know they all told me the same thing well just don't squat do leg extension and my my reply to that was well they're not going to bring a leg extension machine onto the powerlifting platform so you know there's something wrong you know with the knee and because uh, I knew the left knee was okay because they were all blaming the squat and I, I said no it has nothing to do with the squat so my dad he uh, basically said well why don't you go see the chiropractor and I said why it's my my knee not my back he said go so I said okay I'll, I'll go and he did some muscle testing on me and uh, it was his name was Dr. Merv Ritchie and he weighed about 130 pounds um, he was a marathon runner so he didn't really understand weight training but you know he started doing some testing and found that the entire right leg was not as strong as the left leg 
And so he looked at the uh, sacroiliac joint, my low back and lumbar spine, and he said, you know, this is being misaligned and could cause a neurological inhibition. So he adjusted me and he did that for about two weeks. And within two weeks, I was back squatting over 500 pounds pain-free. So that got me on the journey as far as, um, you know, how to help people. So I, you know, I was really enthusiastic. I was able to lift again and do well. And it inspired me actually to, to go to chiropractic college. I'm a welder by trade. So I had to go back to school and, um, learn all the sciences and get accepted into chiropractic college. And once I did, you know, it, you know, made a huge difference. And then everything that I went through in school, I always applied it to weight training. So it didn't matter what course. And it actually made the classes a lot easier because I could reference it to something. So from a physiological standpoint or biochemistry or anything, I always related it back to weight training. And um, then uh, when I graduated from chiropractic college, I started teaching um, weight training and was working in different gyms and whatnot. And you know, a couple of friends of mine said, well, why don't you put your own seminar on instead of going to all the seminars? I said, okay. So 1999, I uh, started Swiss Society of Weight Training Injury Specialists. It was more of an experiment to see whether or not, you know, there was other people that were interested in this. And, and lo and behold, there were. We had over 400 people show up uh, at my very first symposium. Great stuff. So a question I uh, like to always ask every guest that comes on to the uh, show is, in terms of influences, Ken, I know uh, David Leaf and George Goodhart, I've heard you mention those two chiropractors from a professional standpoint. Mm-hmm. But in, in, in terms of both professionally and personally, who have been the biggest influences on you? Um, I think, first of all, would be my dad. Um, he, he's uh, outside of the box thinker in the sense of he would just teach himself on how to do different things. And so, you know, he was just very, very creative in, in the sense of how to look at a problem and then how to solve it. So I think, and just the tenacity to stay with it. The other one would be Anthony Robbins. Um, I went to a seminar in 1986. It was a firewalk seminar in Detroit and just have used his uh, different techniques and, and protocols and strategies and seminars because it's kind of an immersion process. So I've been to probably about 30 seminars of his, uh, a variety of different things, everything from, you know, communication to business to self-improvement. But that's probably one of the largest influences. Another one would be Schwarzenegger. Just watching his career over the years of developing himself in a lot of different areas and um, everything from a movie star to, you know, humanitarian to, um, you know, obviously the bodybuilding community and everything else. But just his commitment and his focus. Um, and as far as professionally, David Leaf is probably one of the largest ones. Um, been to over a hundred seminars of his, um, learning on muscle testing and how to test it. But, you know, I've been to so many seminars, um, over the years. Everyone from, um, Rob Rakowski was phenomenal. Um, uh, yeah. So it's, it's quite a list. It's quite a list. And over the years, I, that's how I would, you know, create Swiss and, and learn, you know, all the different people that, you know, I would want to, you know, to come to Swiss and allow people to, <clears throat> excuse me, to also see that, you know. So when I first started Swiss, uh, you know, I brought out Mike Leahy 
from the active release, you know, um, uh, technique and uh, the ART. And he presented, and when he came here, everyone was like, oh, my God, this is a phenomenal technique. So I, I, my goal is always to introduce people to the latest and greatest. And the biggest thing that's starting to come down the pipeline right now is brain-based treatment and brain-based exercises. So we're starting to see a complete shift uh, going that way. Yeah, I heard you speak about the, um, the some of the courses you've been taking recently, and I think they've been mm-hmm. like uh, neurological courses, neurology courses, and a lot, of, lot to do with the brain. You, you were kind of saying in a, a podcast I heard that like a lot of the focus has been like you know a specific region of the body or a joint where like we really need to go back and say we need to be looking at the master here, which is the brain. So we can we can definitely touch in on that in a in a in a um, as we go on in the podcast. Mm-hmm. In, in question. I, another question I just like to ask every guest, and then we kind of get more into the more specific questions to the to the guests themselves. In terms of um, the training and rehabilitation profession, what what makes you proud to be part of the training and rehab profession? And then conversely, at the other end of that um, question, what does not make you so proud to be part of the training and rehab <laughs> profession? And with the not yeah. and with the not so proud, like what kind of solutions would you offer up? I, I think what I'm really proud about is um, to be able to utilize different techniques. Um, that's probably the best piece of advice I could give people is that whenever you're working in the area as far as uh, weight training and whether it be in bodybuilding, powerlifting, Olympic lifting, or just you know non-competitive lifting, you just want to look and feel better, um, to really look at a lot of different techniques and, and ideas and to be able to um, add on to that with some of the different uh, concepts. So you can take a concept and then, you know, take it a step further. So I've done that in the sense of, you know, I've learned muscle testing, orthopedic muscle testing, applied kinesiology muscle testing and all the different styles. And what I did is I, I kind of changed it to exercise muscle testing. Instead of testing the muscle, I'm actually testing the planar range of motion. And um, so that's what I've been teaching for the past 10 years um, to really understand your, you know, whenever you're testing a muscle, it's not necessarily the muscle specifically. You can't just isolate a muscle, but you can test the planar range of motion. And now you're testing the muscle, but also the neurological aspect of it and proprioception and uh, whatnot. So, you know, to be able to look at the different things within our profession and not just get hung up on, you know, just strictly doing chiropractic adjustments because when you go into the weight training world, just doing adjustments will not be enough. And I think mm-hmm. that's one of the downsides is that we get a little myopic in, in all of our professions. So the medical doctor, his only modality is, you know, drugs pretty much, you know, unless he's gone outside the box. Uh, but most of them, that's all they've really learned. So if you ask them as far as what's the best rehab exercise – they're not trained in that. So they're always going to go, how can we reduce the inflammation? Um, and same thing in the physical therapy world. A lot of times they would just be more modality based. So they may be an ultrasound or IFC or that, you know, if they build out a little bit, they can get into manual me- medicine. They can do soft tissue techniques and, and understand that and then also combine it with the rehab exercises. So, but a lot of times we get a little bit too, uh, focus just on what we do and what we went to school for and not add in things like laser 
acupuncture, Graston, active release, rehabilitation, and it just goes on and on and on. So those are the biggest things uh, that I would recommend for people, and that's probably the biggest solution is that to become um, really good at something and to also be aware that you can refer out. And mm-hmm. I do that all the time. So if someone has, um, you know, a torn muscle, I had a patient last week, you know, tore the lat, you know, just water skiing. And it was like a large lump in his back. And he says, you know, can you do some acupuncture? And I went, no, you're, this is the wrong thing. You know, go get an ultrasound. And it was torn. And so I sent him to a friend of mine, Dr. Douglas Stoddard, who does PRP, you know, a plasma-rich protein to actually try and help heal that tear. Um, And then after, you know, the, the tear is healed, now you can actually do rehab, acupuncture, active release to help that. But a lot of times we we don't refer. And my whole focus with Swiss and to create the solution as far as the strengths and weaknesses of the different professions is to create a community of like-minded individuals and also to be able to refer and, and to create your network. You know, whether it be, you know, myself, you know, referring to a physiotherapist or to a massage therapist or to a medical doctor. So that's the biggest thing that we can do is become really, really good at things and then also know where you're not good and refer out. Mm, great stuff. Yeah, and I heard you mention that too previously on a few interviews and definitely couldn't agree more. And, and you, you made a good point too in one of the previous interviews saying that you get a lot of professionals saying, Oh, but I can't refer the patient now. I'll lose business. And you're like, you'll actually earn more business in the long run yeah. because, like, uh, I think you said, like, one gentleman had a, had a bone spur and an ankle or something, and you referred him to someone else. And you're like, well, if that gentleman now has a back problem. Who do you think he's going to come to? Or also, too, when he talks to his friends about, you know, how, you know, how honest you were and your opinion and all, he could end up referring, like, you know, three, four, five, six, seven members of his family or his close circle of friends to you. So in the long run, it, it's probably going to make you more business. Well, it'll make more business, but also it's it's just the ethical thing to do. Yeah, you know exactly. that you know if, if you can't, you know, if you're focused in on the money and you're going in the health profession, maybe go into a different profession. You know, yeah, if, yeah, you're, yeah. If, if you're if you're just trying to make the money, because I mean, you'll make good money anyways, and your reputation will 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 be greater, and and especially now, people pick up really really quick with social media and everything else. They know that, you know, whether or not you're being authentic and whether or not, you know, you're doing the best that you can. And every single patient, when they sit down in front of me, you know, I I basically tell them, I said, listen, you know, if I'm able to help you, I'll let you know. If I'm not able to help you, I'll also let you know that and I'll refer you on. And everyone, as soon as I say that, all of a sudden they start breathing. Because, you know, especially with chiropractors, we have an interesting reputation that once you go to a chiropractor, you'll never stop. And, you know, we're just, you know, going to get you on a lot of different treatments and all that. And, you know, I don't like to be treated that way. And I know other people don't. So my whole focus is always, I'm just going to be open and honest with you. And if I'm able to help you, great. If not, you know, also, and you're exactly right. People refer over because they say, you know what, he'll let you know, you know, Mm. if he's able to help you. And and it, it's helped me over the years, but also I feel better because I mean, if I if I know that this person isn't getting better, uh, you know, I'll find you someone else that can. You know, I've built up my network that you know there may be someone else better than me in, in different techniques. I refer out to other chiropractors that are you know specialized in a specific technique and say, go see this person; they'll be able to help you. 
A question I, I uh, wanted to make sure I asked was, what was it like to treat Tony Robbins? Uh, when I treated Tony, it was I treated him a few times. Um, it's interesting. Um, he's the real deal. Um, so how that was set up is Tony was getting treated by a number of different chiropractors in the United States. So they said when you uh, and I knew these guys and and they said uh, when you you know when you're up in Canada go see Ken. So his staff, they phoned me and they said, listen, you know, do you want to treat Tony? I said, absolutely. And I'll do my best. And, and, um, they said, well, we'll give you a ticket. And I said, okay, that'd be great. And, uh, so I, I treated him in the morning and he, um, it was really interesting that, you know, as soon as I walked in, he had the rebounder, he had the, you know, uh, fruit, you know, everything that he said, he actually did. Mm. So I treated him and, uh, he's a big man. He's six foot six and, and he, he had a growth spurt. So he has some, uh, acromeglia, uh, type thing. So with that, what that means is that he had a huge growth spurt. I think he grew a foot in a year because, uh, growth hormone, um, um, spurt. And so he has, you know, larger hands and just everything on him is, uh, really big. Super nice, very cordial, very professional. I had a picture taken with him. He gave me a little testimonial and everything else. And afterwards, he uh, he goes, um, I'd, I'd like to get treated again. I'm going to another city. I said, no problem. So I waited around and went to his place after the seminar. Um, and we're in the uh, elevator with someone. And there was a guy just standing there. And he just starts conversing with him as far as, you know, hey, what do you do and everything else. And he's just really nice and just super. When you meet Tony Robbins, the one thing I've been in, I've met a lot of, you know, interesting people over the years, but his, his presence, like when he's, when he's talking to you, he is focused a hundred percent. And it's, it's actually a little overwhelming at times because it's like, holy shit, he's, he's actually listening to me and he's really taking, you know, note as far as what, uh, I know what I'm saying and how I'm saying and how it impacts me. So then uh, I said, uh, as we're walking to his room, I said, you really do walk your talk. He says, you have to. He says, when you become, and this really impacted me, he says, when you become a public figure, um, everyone looks for where you fall. So it's easier if your public life and private life are pretty much the same. And I went, he says, that way, you know, you're not acting. That's who you are. And I went, wow, okay. He says, it's not easy, but he says, it's, it's, it's the way that you need to conduct yourself. Yeah, he, uh, he, he definitely is, his work is something that I've, uh, I've always enjoyed, you know, reading and studying. And I've never personally met Tony, you know, or actually I haven't even had a chance to go to any of the seminars. But you have to go. I would go because, I mean, um, he's doing less and less of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, so there'll be, there'll come a time when he'll, he's basically, even now he doesn't teach, you know, all four days. He has other people. So I would, I would within the next year, if anyone is listening to this, I would definitely, you know, not that he's going to stop, you know, next year or anything, but you know, like it's, it's hard, it's hard on his system and, um, he's getting a little beat up. So I would definitely go, uh, and it'll it, you will learn strategies that you'd never even thought and blocks and ideas and concepts. So, you yeah. know, that, that's where actually Swiss was created. One of the areas as far as for me to get the courage to, to do that. Cause I, you know, I don't put on s- seminars and large symposiums and all that, you know, I'm, 
friggin' chiropractor, and you know, I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do it, and I'll just wing it, and that's what I've been doing over the past, you know, fifteen twenty years. There you go, uh, there you go, folks. He just said it. <laughs> Thank you to me, Megan. Yeah, you know, you just yeah, fake it till you make it, you know, and 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 that's what everyone always does, you know. And I would bring in good people that understand on how to run seminars, and and the best way to do it is that, you know, how do I want to be treated? So when the, the presenters, they all love it because I treat them so well, you know. Um, and and that's all you, that's all people want is make a fantastic uh, experience. And I think that's the biggest thing when I did the symposium is uh, something outside of it. You know, the information is always good, but the interactions and the connections and everything else is even more powerful. And, you know, you get to see old friends get together. So whether it's Dorian Yates chatting with Kazmaier, you know, and just, you know, saying that, you know, seeing them chatting, you know, in the hallways and talking, so how are you doing and everything else. And it's just, it, it, it's like, you know, old boys week, you know, and girls week in the sense of they all get together and just have some fun and learn and, and share stories. I don't know if you heard, uh, I heard this on um, a podcast Tony Robbins did there a while back. I think it might've been on Tim Ferriss. Yeah, it was, it was, it was the podcast he did with Tim Ferriss. And he was saying that he, he had got a very, very bad, uh, case of mercury poisoning because from all the years of meeting the same fish over and over again and he met some it was some i don't know if he was a chiropractor but he was some functional medicine practitioner in australia tested him and like his mercury readings were like off the absolute radar and like he mm-hmm. was having like memory issues and joint pain and all that because i yep. know that you you appreciate the biochemical as much as the biomechanical so i didn't know if you, you'd heard that happen to tony but apparently he's, he's on the fix and stuff but i've always wondered about all the travel he does that must have like that must wreak a havoc on a system, you know, like, like flying all the time, all that radiation in planes, all that circadian disruption, like his sleep patterns all over the place. So I always wondered how well, how, how he actually does hold up in terms of um, I, I think he does really well, uh, a lot better than most people because he's so focused on finding the best. So he's doing cryotherapy every mm. day. He's doing, uh, inf- um, he's doing laser. He's got a, a machine called a Thor that, uh, does whole body. Uh, laser uh, to help reduce the inflammation. Um, he's always getting tested. Uh, and yeah, I heard the same story as far as the mercury. In fact, it was so high, the police came and interviewed um, his friends and family saying that, you know, <laughs> did someone, you know, spike something? Because the mercury level was off the chart. And um, yeah, yeah. so, yeah, so he's he's recovering from that. And I think he's doing a number of different therapies. I'm not specifically sure what, but He's trying to chelate it out and get it out. Right. And there are different strategies you can do for that. Okay, so a question that I, I really love to ask everyone and I really want really to ask you this was in terms of your training and rehabilitation system, principles, philosophy, whatever sort of mm-hmm. words you, you want to give it. What, if I was to ask you, know, what, what is your overarching training and rehabilitation system or principles or philosophy, how would you answer that? Um, the biggest thing as far as to really understand uh, – what is it that you're specifically trying to accomplish? So in training itself, so if we go into bodybuilding, um, in 2001, I had Dorian Yates present for me. And so when I picked him up at the airport and I'm chatting with him as far as his uh, training protocols and everything else and people that you know may not know who he is or some of his training principles, he was more from the Arthur Jones um, Mike Menzer, you know, era in the sense of, you know, extremely heavy weight, complete exhaustion, 
low amount of uh, uh, sets and more rest. And so he's six time Mr. Olympia. And he said, and I asked him personally, I said, did you try the higher rep? He said, yeah, it never worked for me. He says, as soon as I either tried to train more, um, he says, I, I, I just didn't, you know, um, respond as well. And he's, and in 2002, I had Lee Haney present for me. And Lee Haney's an eight time Mr. Olympia. And so, you know, he, uh, would do high sets, high reps, you know, lower weight. And I would chat with him. Have you ever tried the heavier training? He said, yeah, but it never worked for me. I would always get injured and everything else. And that was probably the biggest aha for me is that you have two Mr. Olympias and it's a level playing field in the sense of the amount of drugs and, you know, everything else in that and genetics. Um, but they found what actually worked for him. And there were two completely different polarizing, um, styles of training. And we see that in, 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 in training nowadays too. Um, so that would be the biggest thing is to really identify what works for you. We're all biochemically different. We're all neurologically different. So just because mm-hmm. it worked for one Mr. Olympia, it won't work for the other Mr. Olympia. And that's the biggest thing. Second thing is to do proper assessments to determine what, where the breakdown is. Because the thing that will stop your career in bodybuilding, powerlifting, or any type of training is an injury. And so what you want to do is assess it. And two main things that you want to assess is, number one, uh, the range of motion of the joints. Is it, you know, does it move easily and correctly? The second thing is, does it actually even contract properly? Do you have full contraction? Can you do an isometric contraction properly, which is the muscle testing? And so if something is weak, there's a breakdown in the system. It could be a muscle problem. It could be a joint problem. It could be a nerve problem, or it could be a biochemical problem, you know, where you're overtrained and, you know, the whole system is too tired and breaks down. So really trying to identify what is it that you need to do? And so if it's, you know, I, I had a patient in yesterday and uh, getting ready for a competition, you know, in in, uh, in bodybuilding. And the whole thing was that, you know, seeing a number of different massage therapists and even a physiotherapist, and they all worked on the muscles. Well, it wasn't really just a muscle problem. It was also a joint problem. And the joint problem was bad enough that it actually caused a neurological inhibition. So, you know, that's the challenge that you have. And I've seen it the other way where, you know, someone went to see a chiropractor and all they did was, was, you know, adjust the joints, but they never did any muscle work. So you go in and do the active release and, and you know, percussion and um, acupuncture to help release, you know, the muscle to, for it to function. So the more complete you are to try and identify, am I dealing with a muscle problem, a joint problem, a nerve problem? or a biochemical problem. And as soon as you identify that, now you can do the proper treatments, and then the treatment will all of a sudden roll over into uh, the rehabilitation. So if it's a joint problem, now you got to get into joint mobility you know, aspects. If it's a muscle problem, you're obviously going to have to rehabilitate it you know, um, t- so that it does function. And then the whole thing now is starting to you know, morph uh, up is more if it's a chronic problem and chronic being if you've had the injury longer than six months, you may need to get into some brain based type treatments. And there's a number of protocols that are starting to come down the pipeline for that. Um, everything from uh, using um, uh, it's a unit, it's a stem unit, DC stem unit, it's called the MPS uh, dolphin. And you can do what is known as auricular therapy, which is you treat the ear. 
to treat the brain. And a lot of people are like, well, how does that work? Well, the cranial nerves actually innervate the, uh, the ear. So you can go direct access into the brain by treating the ears. Cause I always wondered, I mean, you treat the ear, but how does that work in, you know, in the body? And, and after I took all the courses, that's how it's done. And the research coming out, uh, for that is starting to be just enormous. Cause a lot of times, you know, if you had a shoulder injury for three years, that shoulder injury healed a long time ago, but you still have pain. What happens is that if you had pain long enough, it actually changes the brain. And if you don't treat the brain or aspects of it, then you'll, you'll stay in the chronic pain. What would be some of your top resources to look into more of this brain-based uh, treatment? Because I know it's something that you've been big on now the last few, few uh, like the last um, paper or the last period of time, because I heard you say it on some other podcasts, in terms of like courses or resources or uh, like what, what would you recommend in that, that aspect? I think uh, for right now what's starting to come down, uh, Dr. Eric Cobb, uh, C-O-B-B. He's doing some great work, for, uh, especially with the trainers. As that's far Z-Health? As... That's Terry Cobb from Z-Health. Pardon me? Yeah, Terry. Z-Health. Is that yeah. Eric? Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's come out with it, and he's, he's made it more focused for people that do training and everything else. And, and even the health practitioners can learn from that. But that's not his main focus. His main focus is how do you apply training, and when you do train, is it the most appropriate to to learn, you know, uh, for that person to to develop and, and to be able to rehabilitate it through the different exercises? So he would be probably one of the uh, best ones for people that do weight training. In the therapy world, we're starting to get into more and more. So uh, Dr. Fred Carrick um, from the Carrick Institute, true, yeah. um, he's high, high, high level. Um, understanding as far as uh, when you do treat, how does it you know make an influence? Dr. Peter Gillet, he's presented for me uh, a couple times at Swiss, and he's phenomenal. And he created uh, these; um, uh, it's called eyelights. And in order to treat the brain, you have to sometimes use access, whether it be the eyes or the ears or a combination of that. So he's mm-hmm. developed a unit um, uh, eyelights to actually stimulate the different parts of the brain and understanding the assessment systems on that. Uh, Dr. Dan Murphy has also, he's been, he's another chiropractor, has been teaching for years and years, all on the neurology and also biochemistry, but really understanding, you know, the influence of the adjustment, the influence of supplements and everything else to change the brain. Because again, you know, especially when you deal with motor vehicle accidents or any type of chronic pain, how do you get people out of chronic pain? So he's another phenomenal resource. Um, the new unit that I just picked up, it's from the Clear Mind Institute, um, and it's a, a unit that uses uh, glasses uh, that flash and also biurnal uh, audio, so you put um, earphones in, and so that can actually change uh, the different aspects of the brain by audio and also uh, visual uh, at the same time. Um, those would be probably the big ones that uh, are starting to come about more and more. And in the last one, and I've been involved in some of the research on this with the MPS dolphin, where they're treating the ear and different acupuncture points to train to change the the actual brain. And some of the research coming out is just astronomical. That uh, you're going to be seeing it probably in the next year that they'll be releasing it. 
Um, and it, it'll be, it'll be revolutionary as far as what they can do. Because a lot of times when you have a concussion, you know, how do you treat that? You know, and we're starting to come out with proper assessments for it. And even more importantly, uh, proper treatment protocols. And how do you recover from that? Because concussion by far is one of the hardest things to try and recover from. And we're going to, I don't know what's going to happen to sports because whether it be football players, you know, uh, soccer players, uh, hockey, rugby, you know, everyone, I think they just came out with a study and out of 111, um, uh, football players, professional football players, 110 of them, they did the autopsies and uh, looked at the brain, 110 of them actually had some pretty severe brain damage. So, which, you know, it's, it's kind of like, really, you didn't know that? But, I mean, now we're starting to see the research and why some of these guys, you know, go a little bit uh, crazy, you know, after they finish football because their brain has been, you know, basically mush. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's concussion is definitely an interesting area because again, I mean, it damages the brain. Like it's obviously going to have downstream consequences. But it, have, Ken, have you looked into anything by the possible restoration of shooting Ron Ruskin? The reason why I ask is there's a video of Ron out there where he plays different frequencies into people's ears and shows how it changes how they move. Yes, um, so I've seen that. I've also seen where they use. It's probably the only uh, use that I've seen that properly is those uh, vibrational plates. Mm. that, uh, you know, people are always saying, oh, you stand on it and, you know, you're going to, you know, be able to develop muscle and all this. It actually impacts the neurological system. So I've seen people, like people that have problems sitting up and they sit on the plate at a certain frequency and all of a sudden it starts to increase the tonification of the uh, back extensors. So Postural Institute is fantastic. Um, it's, you know, magnets, we're starting to see, you know, different frequencies with that, magnetic field therapy, laser therapy on all these different areas. All of it works. And and, and I, I think the biggest piece of advice I could give people is that everything works until it doesn't. You know, so, you know, if it, if it stops working or doesn't work in the first place, there's nothing wrong with what you're actually doing. It's just that that person doesn't need it or has actually gone beyond it. So a lot of times something will work for a little bit and then it stops working. And when it does, you have to change it and you have to understand what is it, what's the next level that you need to do. Yeah, there's a, there's a friend of mine, James Smith, and he talks about uh, known first principles. And uh, there's a guy, uh, Jim Jim Akalidi, who wrote a book called um, Oh uh, Life on Edge, and it's basically about how like if you if you strip back if you were to strip back everything in the world, it comes down to maths and physics. So, like, Jim Alcalini talks about, like, if you really want to understand everything in life, you need to know biology. And he's like, but to understand biology, you need to know chemistry. But to understand chemistry, you need to know physics. And then what underpins physics then is basically mathematics. So, like, the, the more and more, like, science is is becoming more prevalent, it seems to be like that nearly everything's just energy and vibration and frequencies. Because there's, like, yep. all these, like, biofrequency treatments now and, and, like, light therapies too. Like, because, you know, the human being emits red light. And, uh, of course, we know that, like, in terms of, uh, how how light is such a huge impact on us through like um through through like our circadian rhythm you know the the, the mm-hmm. light and dark cycles and the light spectrums that come from the sun and now the fact that we have artificial lights and how that's kind of messed up the whole circadian clocks since the introduction of artificial light and all our devices now and whatnot but it's just like a lot of research is going into like these like light therapies and frequency therapies and 
it just seems to keep adding up in terms of, you know, well, if you strip it all back, everything really is just physics, and it's just biophysics that people are talking about with these treatments. Yeah, and the, and the people that have led the field in that are the Germans, so any type of uh, German biological medicine, they yeah. really, really understand it, because, you know, I've been to some of their major conferences in, uh, in Germany, in Baden-Baden, at Medicine Week, where there's about 5,000 medical doctors all talking and- about this. And yeah, and you were saying you were saying like these are proper medical doctors. Like, oh yeah, well, like the, yep. Yeah, and they're doing uh, stuff that we would think that the wackiest person here would 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 never do. And these are actual physicians, but they also cure people from cancer and everything else. I went to one gentleman's uh, house. Uh, his name is uh, Dieter uh, uh, Junst, and he's uh, he has three PhDs. And what this guy does with biophotons, he uses different lights. And people from all over the world fly into his clinic, and he uses lights to pull people out of comas. You know, so it's like, what? How does that work? And it's like mm. he understands the system. You know, and um, and he's got the the instrumentation to measure it. He has the ability, and the, and Fritz Alfred Pop basically discovered that the way that a lot of the cells communicate is through what is known as biophotons. And these yeah. are light packages that, you know, can be sent out uh, at a very, very high rate. So, but the biggest challenge that we have with um, different treatments and different um, uh, even concepts that we have is that we don't have instrumentation sensitive enough to actually measure what is actually going on. And that's the challenge that we have. So a lot of times we get too caught up in this evidence-based treatments and put everything aside that, you know, is not evidence-based, evidence-based basically being backed up by science. But the problem with science is that we don't have instrumentation to measure the human body. You know, we, we, we can't even make a blade of grass, you know, as far as understanding from nothing. How do you put that together, let alone a human being? So, you know, we, we sometimes get a little bit too arrogant, um, some of the different individuals in the sense of saying, well, it's not evidence-based. Well, uh, you know, I, you know, I have 20,000 books. I'm, you know, I go and re- research and read and everything else. And over the years, I've seen everything change. When I was in chiropractic college, they basically told us that the disc has no innervation. There's no nerve supply to the disc. Now we find through proper staining techniques and everything else, the, the disc in, in the spine is one of the most highly innervated tissues in the body. It's got efferent and afferent. So it's like, oh, okay. You know, so now everything has changed. And that's the way science is. But, you know, uh, you, you got to accept, you know, some of the woo-woo stuff as far as some of the weird stuff that, um, you know, how does that work? You know, don't just throw it out because there's no evidence behind it. Because there's some people that just are super gifted in, in the sense of healing. We see this in the traditional Chinese medicine, you know, aspect. And, but also to accept, you know, there are different things in science and trying, trying to stay within that too. So to, for me, it's a, it's a healthy combination. You know, I always have an open mind, but I'm also going to question things because a lot of people, people will try and put a concept in and they don't, they think that'll work, but Sometimes it doesn't. So I'm always about results and about the experience. So, if are it, you? F- oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Are, are you familiar with the work of uh, Dr. Jack Cruz? No. 
So I, I definitely think you would be very, very interested in his work. I'll, I'll send you some of the stuff. That he, yeah. And he he was originally a dentist and then went back to medical school, and now he's a he's a neurosurgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jack is big, big now on like basically like quantum physics and quantum mechanics and how that kind of underpins like basically the medical field. But he's done a lot, like to, to get into what he's done is just huge. Like he's he's been, his blog started back in 2011, but his blog was like written for like scientists. Like like he puts out these masterpiece like blogs. Like they're not written, they're not written for a layperson. Like um. <laughs> But he basically uh, now he, he can still explain what he's saying. He's not one of these people like because I know people say, well, if you can't explain it simple enough, you probably don't know well enough. No, he, he knows what he's talking about. And the reason why I said that too is because when when I originally came across his work, my science background wasn't good enough to know if he was talking shit or not. And the more I've just learned the basic science and like cell and cell and cell physiology and biology and then the biophysics of it as well, like everything he says is actually true. Like, whereas before, I could be like, he was just making this up and I don't know. But I just think you'd be very, very interested in... in oh, I'd love he, to uh, see that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like he's, he sounds like you two would align uh, up very much in some of your thought processes. Uh, Ken, um, I suppose, it, of course, it, and you've mentioned Swiss a good few times, but it would be remiss of me not to bring up Swiss. Like, uh, you know, how did this come about? Like, what, like back in 99 was the first one. Mm-hmm. Like, like, when did it kind of go, right, I'm going to do this and going after it? Like, why did you feel the need to put it out there? Well, what I was doing was I was teaching across Canada and United States um, on uh, rehabilitation, training. Um, so I was in different gyms. I was teaching uh, rehab courses to different doctors and therapists. And the model that I was starting to see is that the um, the trainers were starting to get into – the therapy world and they really didn't understand what they were doing there. And then you had doctors and therapists that were just giving really bad training advice, you know, stuff like, you know, don't do squats. It's bad for the knees, you know, maybe don't do weight training, maybe go swimming, you know, cause they're a swimmer, you know, it's just, it was just bizarre what I was seeing out there. And there was a real lack of uh, understanding in, in the both fields in the fitness professions and also in the health professions in the area of weight training. So I, I decided to get, you know, some of my friends together that, you know, I'd known over the years and say, you know, let's let's put something together as far as being like minded and we can create um, new concepts, new ideas and to be able to work together in that. So that's what I did in 99. It was kind of like a giant experiment and it worked um, as far as uh, being successful that way. So then I continued doing it. And uh, unfortunately, I was listening to too many people and they kept going, oh, weight training, weight training injuries is too small. You should go after, you know, uh, sports medicine and, you know, wellness. So, you know, in 2004, you know, everyone was like, oh, go after wellness. It's a bigger market and all this. And I went, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do wellness. And it was the biggest disaster. Like I spent so much money. I lost, I don't know, you know, couple of hundred thousand dollars doing this symposium you know in 2004 and you know it, no one showed up and because i mean what is wellness it's it's too obscure you know so in 2005 you know it was you know i said I was, that was the last one i was going to do and i went back to weight training injuries and and it was hugely successful you know so um i took 10 years off between 2005 and 2015 primarily uh two things one is the with the advent of the internet more and more people wanted to learn from the internet and the large symposiums were um not as uh successful 
we started to see mm. decrease in attendance and everything else, and it was getting more and more expensive. And, you know, when you're running these symposiums, and if you lose $100,000 a few times, it kind of really throws you off. So financially, it threw me off. I was focusing more on my clinic, and I did that for 10 years. And I thought, well, let's see if someone else steps up to the plate and, and does it. And everywhere I traveled, everyone said, oh, are you going to run Swiss again? I went, I don't know, because I worked full time, you know, in, in a clinic, and it's just a ton of work. Like it literally takes me two years to put together. And, um, you know, so in 2015, I could see that there was just so much bad advice coming out that people are just doing, you know, more and more weird stuff. And they're getting away from, you know, what are the success principles in weight training and also even in treatment. And so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do it again. And 2015 was successful and 2016 was even more successful. And, you know, I, I was, my intention was to run it a couple of years and then take a year off just to recover, uh, financially again. And then also, uh, emotionally and physically, because it does take a lot out of you. And, uh, I'm just focusing on 2018 and 2018 already is going <laughs> to, it's, it's coming together really, really well. And, uh, uh, the interactions with people and we had people from all over the world show up in 2016. So my main goal is always, you know, what's the latest, what's the greatest. And you learn lots in the actual rooms. You learn even more in the hallway. Cause I mean, the, the way that the hotel is situated, we have our own little area. And when you're walking down the hallway, you can't help but bump into Dorian Yates or Kaz Meyer or, you know, Charles Poliquin or any of these different individuals that, you know, present and you can sit there and chat you know and it was really interesting you know Stu McGill was chatting with uh, Bill Kazmaier and all of a sudden 15 people come around and listen to this conversation you know in the hallway and, you know and they were both you know conversing like you know how did Bill how did you get you know so strong you know and, and not screw up your back and Bill would tell Stu McGill well this is how I did it and how why I did it and stuff like that so it's just it's very it's it's a different experience than you've seen anywhere else, and because you have so many high level people from so many different professions, and that's the cool part. It's not just all powerlifting. You know, like you got you know PhDs walking around that are just you know giant brains that can explain what's going on, but they don't lift weights themselves. So that's what my main focus has been, and I had the insight and foresight to videotape and all the presenters signed off on it so i actually have videotapes of all the presentations from 1999 and um and i what i did is over the last year is i just put it all on one platform i've been a real fan of netflix for many years so i thought you know what i'm going to do the same thing that they've done and uh just put all the videos up you know for seven eight bucks a month you can watch all the classic videos from 99 to 2005 and then every week uh, one from uh, um, Swiss 2015 or Swiss 2016 will also be uploaded so you know for the next year year and a half you'll get access for that at a super cheap price like you know mm. it's ridiculous that um, the level but I mean the movies do it so I thought you know what I'm going to do it too and uh, I just released it um, last uh, two weeks ago and People from all over the world are starting to sign up. So been really, really uh, happy with it. And I'll be promoting it more and just, you know, getting that resource out. So it's, Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll definitely make sure to link that up to Sean. Because when I came across it and saw the price, I was like, what the fuck this is? <laughs> I was like, this is a – like people would charge thousands for that. 
And uh, like I know it's it's yeah. a recurring revenue, but like it's so such pennies. It's like it's like two cups of coffee a day price. Like it's or not even. It's just like well, it's, our, you can't even buy you can't even buy breakfast for that cheap. <laughs> so, and it's so like, I was about, yeah. I was about to say a point of Guinness over here, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, for the month. So feed your brain. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, for, it's, great, it's great resources, you know, and um, uh, the information is there, and you can watch it as many times as you want. And there's so many unique ones that you'd never seen before. So what I'm doing now is just ripping clips off um, all the different uh, videos, and it, so that way you can sort of take a look at it. is this someone, you know, it was everyone from, you know, James Oshman. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah, Energy Medicine, Leno Oshman. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I'm well aware of James Oshman's work. I'm fairly well read. I'm, I'm, I'm getting that. Well, he presented for me twice, so there's two videos of him there. Yeah, they're, they're, like I remember looking through. Uh, actually, I'll even pull it up here now because I remember even like a. Uh, the the doctor of trigenics. Trige yeah, I've Alan Austin. Yeah, yeah. I've also tried to look for good stuff on him, like presentations I can ever find. I was like, I was like, he's he's had him. Dave Pasquale. Like I've always read his stuff. I've Morrow, never seen him. Yeah. I've never really seen him in person present. I'm like, holy shit, these presentations are unbelievable. I know, I know, and you know, it's funny. I I think I only have the video, the you know, few videos of uh, Morrow and Dave Pasquale, and same thing with Charlie Francis. You know, he presented for me and. You know, a uh, number of individuals. Mel Sif, you know, so a number of people. In, in, in King is there? Yeah, Mel Sif is good on Like, oh, my God. Like, this is just unbelievable. You yep. got Ricky Crane. I have here in front of you, Ricky Crane. Ricky Bill Crane. Pearl. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let me see. Carl Carl DeRosa yep. of the famous of the famous mechanic, you know, mechanical low back pain. Oh, Duncan McDougal was the other one. I love his work, the Canadian physiologist. Yeah. Like, yep. unbelievable. Hell you get these people but actually that leads you to my next question in terms of like how did you recover from those financial losses like that would that would like crush some people oh yeah yeah crushed me too um you just worked harder that's that's what i needed to do so i used the money that i made in the clinic and i would just you know repay everything and everyone so that's that's been the challenge um yeah. i make a little bit you know off of the videos but not that much um, and just me doing my own seminars. So, yeah. So it, it's been uh, it's been a, a challenge as far as over the years because uh, you know I didn't really get any sponsors you know for it. Um, and you know a number of people have always approached me and they said, oh, you know I I want to uh, go into with you and everything else. And what tends to happen is a I I have a pretty good idea of how I want things to work. And yeah. what does work, and then when other people start getting involved, and they start putting their concepts, and it's more just to make money, um, and it ch it changes the entire flavor of of what is you're trying to do, and I'm like, no, you know what, you can you can keep your money because uh, what you're going to try and introduce won't work. It's not right. In fact, it's wrong. Um, and so I, I, w I would just do it myself. So that's why I took ten years off because that's what I needed to do. And, oh, uh, you've had you've had Valenceskin on it as well. Holy shit! It's Van Bali. Uh, no, Valenceskin of Omega Way has been there too. Unbelievable. Yeah, no, I, it's it's unreal. All the different individuals, and it's funny because they it was the presenters that they've always wanted to come. You know, they're like, yeah, you were set because they get to meet up with everyone. It's easier presentations. Absolutely, you know, they get to party and you know, uh, go have dinner together and catch up and 
And uh, we did something rather controversial last year. This was 2016. Oh, yes. Talk about that. Yeah. Uh, that uh, I yeah. thought this was amazing. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? It's it's so – like when you said that, I was like – like because me – with regards to this topic, we'll talk about it in a second. The listeners like, what are we talking about? Like me and you were in such the same wave out there because I'm always the same. I'm like, is there anyone that would just fucking openly talk about this? We know it's been done. Like, who cares? Like, just fucking talk about it. Well, yeah, the you know it was interesting in in the spring of uh, 2016. I was at the Arnold's and I was with uh, Dave Sandler, and um, he he put on his seminar at uh, at the Arnold's. And Dave's been a good friend for many many years. Super brilliant guy, and. Um, and I said, well, and Dave's been with me pretty much from the beginning as far as doing Swiss and has always presented for me. And uh, I said, you know, I, what's what's your idea with uh, this? With that, I can, you know, I kind of want to talk about the large elephant in the room, which is the, you know, the steroids, the anabolic steroids and everything else, and just have a conversation, like at least open the conversation about it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I said, you know, would you be interested in talking about it? And he started laughing. He went, of course. He says, I was on the National Geographic, you know, the science of steroids, um, eight years ago, you know, and, and Dave, Dave has been in the industry for, you know, decades, similar to myself. And, you know, he's a top flight powerlifter. He benched over 500 and, you know, he's dealt with all the top, you know, strength, uh, and bodybuilding individuals for many, many years. And he understands that whole, you know, aspect of it. And he says, yeah. So lo and behold, you know, cause he had a suite. So lo and behold, who walks in? Patrick Arnold. So Patrick mm, Arnold, you mm. know, he was with uh, uh, basically invented a number of different drugs and got happy. He, he invented Andrusino, did he? Yeah, Andrusino Dion, and he was uh, and he's, so he's involved. He's involved in Balco too. Yeah, he was involved in Balco, and you know, he you know that created a felony for him and a number of other things. Um, so I asked, and Rick Collins walked in. You know, so it's, it was really interesting. So I basically explained it to these guys, you know, are you guys interested? And they went, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. So I just started putting this panel together. And so I got Eric Serrano, you know, on it. Um, I got Victoria Felcar from Victoria. She's getting her PhD and she's, you know, pretty well versed in this area. And Victor Prisk, who's an orthopedic surgeon. Um, Rick Collins, who's one of the top steroid, um, lawyers in the country um had uh, brad hall who's uh from california and he was in special operations and uh within the army and uh, navy seals mm. and everything else mm. and what happens in that area uh scott stevenson who dr scott stevenson who uh, works with professional bodybuilders and uh, got uh, darren willoughby who's a phd so he was doing it and so we had this incredible panel and, and two weeks before I found Ben Johnson. He was doing some tours in uh, China, and he was coming back. And I asked, you know, uh, his his people, you know, does does Ben want to come? And he said, yeah, absolutely, he'll talk. And I went, awesome. So now we got an athlete. And half hour before the actual symposium, uh, I go out into the main lobby uh, by the um, presentation rooms. And I see Dorian Yates talking to Bill Kazmaier, which is always a bizarre concept in of itself. What a, what a fucking sight. Yeah, I know. So I walk up, and uh, Bill looks at me, and he says, uh, Dorian's really upset with you. And I went, oh, great. Now what? Because literally every every hour, there's some kind of crisis going on when you do something like this. And uh, so I look at he Dorian. Him, yeah. and, uh, and Bill goes, 
he's upset that you didn't ask him to go on the steroid panel. So I look at Dorian. I said, do you want to go on? He says, yeah, absolutely. I have some stuff I want to say. I went, awesome. And I look at Bill and I said, Bill, do you want to go on? And Bill kind of shrugs his shoulder. He says, I don't know what I have to say. And I said, you know what? You don't have to say anything. You can just sit there. And, you know, and so Bill said, yeah, I'll come. So we got two more chairs. We got another table. So we had Dorian. So we had the fastest man in the world. We had the top bodybuilder in the world and world's strongest man. And it was all super authentic in the sense of they explained what they took, how much, why, where, you know, all these different concepts. And it was supposed to have been a 90-minute presentation and went on for three hours. Mm. And it was just incredible as far as the information. And nothing was really solved. That wasn't the intention of it. It wasn't like, you know, steroids. You know, we weren't promoting steroids. We weren't condoning steroids. What it was was this is what the state of the industry is. And, and what are some of the actual solutions that need to be done? And part of it is because there's so much counterfeit anabolic steroids out there, this is where a lot of people are getting sick. So people yeah. are shipping it from China. They cook it up in their basement, and then they sell it you know, to you know, people. And so that's the challenge. The second thing is that even if you wanted to do anabolic steroids, you know, which physician is going to help you with that? to do the proper testing and even assess whether or not you should be doing it and the combinations of it. And even if you do take it and you get yourself into trouble, there really isn't anyone or even courses on, you know, talking to Dr. Serrano and Dr. Priss that are physicians, there are no courses. They don't learn about yeah, this. Yeah, that, that, that's another thing. Though. I've actually searched for like any like courses on anabolic which Surely someone has put something out there for an education of no one. No. But uh, did you ever reach out to, to Bill Lewenon, the, the author of Anabolics? No, no. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I'd say he, he would have been good to get. He's like 10, 10 editions out of Anabolics. And I, ju- I just heard an interview with him on Iron Radio once before, but like he was basically like just someone with like an interest, and in he's written like these master, like massive books on like all the like their huge textbooks, like. Yeah, you know, he actually, that's a good idea. So I'll be doing it again in uh, 2018, and I've already, you know, talked to a number of different individuals that uh, want to go on the panel for, you know, the steroid panel 2.0, you know, to, well, when to, I was, um, to, what, what, oh, go ahead, sorry. to, to continue the conversation and to really understand, um, you know, some of the solutions that we may need to come up with. Um, I know at the uh, you were at the ISI symposium this year with mm-hmm. all and I was at it the year before. Unfortunately, I couldn't make this again. I was away. That's why when I contacted you, I was like, "Oh my god, Ken Kanaka was there!" I was like, Shh. "I was like the, <laughs> the guy is the guy who started Swiss because I originally heard of Swiss from all. I'm very good friends with Owen and Owen also said, oh, yeah. to check out check out Swiss. It's one of the best Con Ed uh, like courses you can ever go through here." But um, Owen brought over John Meadows with Dr. Yes. Serrano the year before and. John, one of John's topics was just to talk about, you know, the drug use in, in Bible and his own previous experiences. And I, I, I found it so refreshing. And I was so happy like that. He was just, you know, candid about it. He said, I'll answer any of your questions. And I was like, you know, and I respected him a hell of a lot more than let's say if someone goes, oh, I don't want to talk with him. I'm just like, just talk about it. I have no issue with it. Well, the, the challenge that you have with the different athletes is that um, they really can't talk about it and what they take because um, if they do, they can potentially be banned from competing ever again. Mm-hmm. So that's so they got to kind of hide it, you know, underneath, you know, the 
the curtain, you know, uh, to say, you know what, yeah, we, we know it's there, but, you know, we just don't want to talk about it. And I think yeah. with uh, the unfortunate passing of Rich Piana and Dallas McCarver, it's going to, you know, uh, come out more and more um, as far as w- what these guys are doing and the dosages. And the, the biggest thing, the biggest thing that prom- um, inspired me to, to at least go down this is that I just have more and more patients coming in and some of them are competitive, you know, lifters and some of them aren't, but the dosages that they're using yeah, is just that's, ridiculous. That, and I'm like, well, that, more that, 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 that's why I, I'm kind of like, of the opinion of these guys need to put out their information because it'll help those guys that are just don't know what they're at and they're just killing themselves. Cause I've heard, I've heard some doses that some, some of the, some paralysis are taking and like, they're taking like monthly doses a week. So then a clue what the fuck they're at. And then that's the problem then when we want to have a, a, a proper intellectual conversation on the topic. Because people always ask me one of my, my thoughts is there. I'm like, oh, there, there has to be a lot of like, a lot of context put in, put into this answer. So like I, I always say to them, if you're someone who competes or if, if you're someone who competes in, in a, in a sport that, that tests and that you're not allowed to take them, well then you're a cheater in the story. But if you're somebody that just wants to be as strong as possible and get as big as possible and you've milked all your natural gains, like you've actually trained hard and used all natural methods and you're past like the age of, I'd say, 25, so we know that your physiology is like stopped growing for the most part uh, and you actually know what you're doing, okay? So that rules out 99.9% of people already and you, you're going to get quality, uh, quality pharmaceuticals and you're going to get your bloods done like every quarter, like every three months or at least every six months. And you're going to work in conjunction with a doctor or you're a doctor yourself. And you're going to do proper cycles, recycle on and off and detox your liver. Then I have no issue with it whatsoever. But it's just like, you know, it's people like just, and then it's usually like the lay person, like, oh, steroids are terrible. And like these lay people who drink and smoke at the weekends and like don't look after themselves. And then they slate some elite athlete who's like every other aspect of their life is perfect. And then they slate them and it's just, uh, yeah, and then, and then and then the other thing too is that most females are on fucking steroids. I mean, the pill is is a steroid in itself. It's progesterone and, and estrogen for Christ's sake, and no blacks on oil about it. Or if or someone's in pain and they take corticosteroids, or like we're we're a pill popping world in society now, and like it's like, well, you had a headache and you took a headache tablet for is that not cheating? Do you like don't you cheat life there with your headache tablet? Yeah, you know, it, it was it was an interesting comment that uh, Rick Hollins said at the Swiss uh, steroid panel was. Um, why is it socially and medically acceptable for a female to get breast implants, lip, you know, uh, tux, uh, liposuction, everything else to look better, you know? And why is it socially and medically not really accepted that if a guy all of a sudden his testosterone is, you know, you know, that of a, you know, small boy, you know, it's completely dropped off that, you know, you can't do, you know, testosterone replacement or even go yeah, on it properly yeah. you know and if you're on drugs you know testosterone then it's evil um i think the biggest thing is that you know there's a difference between something illegal and something banned and so in competition you know obviously it would be banned the interesting thing which i think is one of the solutions is within the different federations so you know i've been on you know a number of medical committees and drug uh, committees for powerlifting and did the drug testing and all that, and now it's become financially um, too hard because it, it costs about a thousand dollars a test. 
you know, to do it properly. And uh, you just can't test that many people when you're when you're doing a competition. Um, but one of the things, uh, you know, there's a RPS, and we're starting to see this in the powerlifting community more and more, where they have two different uh, categories. They have the amateur, which is drug-free, and also you're not lifting, you know, huge amounts of weight. And then you have the pro. So I competed last year in a powerlifting meet, and it was awesome because, I mean, it was none of this nonsense. You were walking around, you know, and looking at people, oh, I wonder if he's on drugs and all this. Well, hell, go up and ask him. He'll tell you. In fact, he'll probably even sell you the stuff, you know, as far as all these different pros. So it was, it was just so much more fun that it was a level playing field. Everyone that was in the amateur division, they looked amateur, you know, uh, they, they lifted, you know, n- you know, not ridiculous amount of weight. And then the pros, they looked all jacked up and also they were lifting monstrous weights. So it's no different than car racing. You got, you know, quarter mile car racing, you got stock and you got funny car. And there's nothing wrong with a funny car. You know, it's completely useless on the road, but they just want to push the, you know, the envelope and, you know, have at it. But at least do it intelligently. And that's what, you know, my main focus is, is that, you know, just to tell people don't do it. It's going to hurt you. Give me a break. Like, I mean, people do stuff to themselves all the time. You know, we're starting to see the heroin and, you know, the uh, opiate um, problems here in Canada, especially with fentanyl. People are dying left and right just to get a better high. So just to, you know, say, oh, you know, Pollyanna, just eat well and, you know, um, train hard and, you know, you'll look good. Well, yeah, you look okay, but as soon as you step on stage, it's a completely different world. And with the bodybuilding and even with the powerlifting, you're usually dealing with people that are trying to become significant in some way or manner. And one of it is... How, how can you change it? And, and with the guys, you get into a reverse anorexia. They can never be big enough. And I haven't heard it, but I, I heard that in one of Rich Piana's last um, uh, podcasts and, and YouTube is that, you know, he, he suffered from a reverse anorexia where he couldn't be big enough. And so, you know, you start getting into different exotic uh, drugs to look bigger and bigger. And we're starting to see that in the bodybuilding world. So, so yeah, so the whole focus is, you know what, I think it has to go back into the hands of the physicians. Proper uh, drugs have to be out there because there's way too much uh, out there that uh, is counterfeit and, in fact, is, is extremely harmful, especially when you start injecting it. I've sent a number of individuals to the hospital just because the injection sites were so infected because, you know, they were, the stuff that they thought they were injecting wasn't really it. So, you know, I, I, that's one of the solutions. And the other one is, you know, just have different categories. Allow people to do whatever they want, you know, where you don't have to overlook them that much. You want to crank it to the max, have at her. But uh, at least be within other people that are like that. Putting a completely drugged-out character against someone that's drug-free, that's not fair. So in terms of Swiss, what, what's next? Like, so I know you said 2018 is going to be big. I mean, are you looking to do something different? Are you? Is it like going to be a bigger venue, more speakers? Are you going to try some something new, like more maybe practical sort of uh, pieces to it? Or are you going to get sponsors in? Or uh, the main focus this year is going to be on the upper body. So last 
chair was um, the lower back. And so we had Stu McGill and everything, you know, we did deadlifts and the main focus. This year is going to be the upper body and the shoulder. So we're going to bring in some top flight bench pressers. And um, one of the things that uh, I'm also going to do, I talked to uh, Phil Richards and also uh, Dr. Brian Walsh and Dr. Eric Serrano about this idea. And I think it's the problem with nutrition is that it's a little bit haphazard. And especially when you get, you know, 10, 15 different presenters, it can get rather confusing. So one of the things that I learned out of the, when I was at the ISI symposium at Owen Lacey's, you know, a few weeks back is that, you know, the whole thing was to do a proper assessment. And Phil Richards has done that. He's done a, you know, he's doing a panel of 85 different tests, you know, uh, blood work to really understand what's going on in the body. And same thing with Dr. Serrano and Dr. Walsh. So it's one thing to do the right amount of tests to actually assess what's going on in the body biochemically. The second part is a proper interpretation of that information. That's the piece that's always missing. So a lot of times we would do the test and would say low testosterone, and your automatic hit is, well, we should give testosterone. Without understanding, you know, uh, why is it low? You know, is is there a steroid um, binding globulin? You know, is that way thrown off? Is the liver, you know, uh, dysfunctional? You know, there can be so many different reasons. So if you throw more uh, testosterone into this person, it's not as if it's going to raise their testosterone. It'll probably be driven into estrogen. Now you're turning a, a bad problem even worse. So I'm going to have some of the presenters talking about all the different unique assessment systems that are out there. Another group of uh, presenters will be talking about the interpretation of these actual tests. And then the third component will be what are the proper treatment protocols, whether it be supplementation, whether it be pharmaceutical, or a combination of that, and along with food. Can I think that would really make a powerful experience for the presenters, but also all the delegates, all the attendees that show up. So you can actually see the process of here are the tests you need to do, this is what they mean, and this is how to fix it. And you don't necessarily see that too often at a high, high level. So that's what I'm going to try and put together. Now, it's going to be kind of like herding cats because, I mean, to try and have that many presenters talk about, you know, all those different ideas is not going to be the easiest thing. But at least I'm going to try and and do my best uh, so that it's not too confusing. But I think that's what needs to be done. And then for the uh, symposium itself, we're going to be focusing on training. We always have treatment protocols. We're going to be bringing in some brain-based people uh, on that. And then also from the rehab, got some great rehab people and from training. You know, I've already talked to Ed Cohn, and if he can make it out, he wants to come. And we're going to be uh, bringing out some other uh, top-flight powerlifters and bodybuilders. So I've just been in negotiations with a number of different individuals on that. But it'll be... It'll be quite the experience, and then we're going to do another steroid panel, and a number of people uh, want to come on that, and they have stuff to say, and it's probably going to be even more intense. So, um, yeah, it'll it, it'll be very, very interactive. Uh, that's what my goal is all the time, to make it uh, not just uh, theory, and uh, and the whole thing will be also videotaped. So that's that's the goal for that. Sounds, sounds amazing, I, and I know... Uh Obviously, I'm, I'm very good friends with Ron Lacey, but uh, I know Dr. Brian Walsh, who I've taken two of his courses in person before when no one had him. 
over in the in terms of interpreting tests, he's one of the best overall. Yeah, yeah, he is. He really, really is. And so, do you know Phil? Phil Richards? I I, I don't know him personally, but I'm very well aware of Phil. Who he yeah. is? Yeah, yeah. He's a uh, he like I've. I must try and reach out to him and get him on the podcast. I know he doesn't too, he doesn't do too much social media, but uh, I actually I have, I have a good friend of mine who's done a lot of internships with Phil. But I'm I'm well aware of Phil is, and I've met Dr. Serrano as well last year, and, and I've seen him present. So he's another, and I love Serrano. To be honest, is very like me in terms of personality. He just doesn't really give a fuck. He says whatever exactly. he Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which which I love too because I don't know if you ever heard the story about John Meadows. Uh, like uh, John Meadows, like basically nearly died. Like he he like he. Like a bit of his intestine like exploded or something like that, mm-hmm. and like it, it was a very bad situation. And John Meadows said like the first person he saw when he woke up was uh, uh, Doctor Serrano, and Serrano was like, "Meadows, you're still alive, you bollocks." <laughs> now I'm, I'm paraphrasing there, but it was something like that. Or like, oh, you're, you're still like you're. He's like, ah, I thought you. He's just ah, fucking, you're still alive. I thought you were gonna die this time or something. Like he made like a big mess. <laughs> Like, you know, big massive joke, Ben, and goes, ah, you'd be grand, you know, he's just like, you're still alive, you have Alex, or whatever, you know, he's just so funny, so he is. Oh, I know, yeah, he, he calls it out as he sees it, and he doesn't really care. Well, he's been in the game for so long, and, you know, when you're in Columbus, Ohio, and you've seen all the, you know, it was the mecca for the Arnolds and Westside, and, you know, every single character on the planet has come through his uh, clinic, so, yeah, he's seen and done it all. It's, uh, and, and, and the cool part is that he's just very open and honest and very, very smart. Like, he understands it at a high level. Yeah, yeah. So, Ken, obviously, I want to respect your time, so a few more questions. But if you need to go, just, just fire ahead and just go away. Um, but uh, just in terms of your your uh, top resources now, so when I say top resources, these could be anything. These could be courses, uh, books, videos, audio programs, podcasts, or people themselves. What would be your top resources to all the all the listeners? And it doesn't have to be just limited to training rehab. It could be like a you know life resource, personal development. Poof. Um, for me, I've always been a huge fan of seminars. So I'll find mm-hmm. someone that is uh, very knowledgeable in the area, and then I'll go and I'll listen to them, and then I'll have probably two or three questions. So before I go to any seminar I, I journal a lot so I write you know my thoughts down just because I got too much stuff floating around in my head and I got to get it out so I'll write down two or three questions that I, I, I need to really understand and pose it to the presenter you know off stage in the sense of you know this is this is something I've been struggling with and and you know how, how does that work from from a high level and, um, you know, sometimes I'll even audio record it because when these people start rolling, it's just way too much information. You know, I, I learned that with Charlie Francis. You know, when you ask him a question, it's a 10-minute answer, and you will not remember it. And the stuff that he will tell you will just blow your mind. So, you know, always go with the intention. So I'm a big fan of going to different seminars, especially since a lot of it is practical, and you can't necessarily learn some of that stuff on the Internet. Um, you can, but... To a certain degree, uh, you can't. Um, the biggest resources, um, 
you know, the obvious one would be, you know, the Swiss video flicks, you know, as far as, you know, all the Swiss yeah, videos, yeah. you know, just listening to them and, and getting all that information is huge. So that's a phenomenal resource. Um, anything by Anthony Robbins, you know, I'm a huge, huge fan of uh, his material. Uh, Tim Ferriss is fantastic uh, as far as he's always looking for uh, the latest and greatest uh, material. And uh, he's pretty authentic. You know, I've, I've met him and he's, he's, um, you know, he works a little bit more than four hours a week. That was more, <laughs> he works about 18 hours a week or a day, but, uh, well, he, he, in fairness, he said that he said the four hour work and goes about work four hours a week. It was about, it was about making more, like it was about autonomy more than making a living out of four hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a little misnomer, but I, I love his material because I mean, he distills it down and he's a great, great interviewer. You know, that way. Um, anyone, uh, you know, go to any of the seminars with David Leaf. He will take your abilities to a whole new level uh, as far as to, to, to do the muscle testing. If you are interested in the brain-based uh, treatment stuff, uh, Dr. Peter Gillet and uh, Dr. Ian Horseman, they're going to be doing seminars here in the fall in the Toronto area on how to, how to assess in, in a higher level. Uh, the other one is Dr. Fred uh, Carrick, you know, to take some of his courses. Obviously, the, you know, the active release, you know, I was an instructor for a few years with uh, assistant instructor with active release and teaching people, you know, on that. So that's a great, great tool, you know. Ken, to- Ken do, you know, do you know Shane Lawler or, or Dr. Tafkin? No. Shane Lawler? He, no. No, because Shane Lawler is an Irish chiropractor and he teaches from Mike here in Europe. And then Dr. Tafkin was a chiropractor that I met at Altus. Yeah, there's more and more that are coming out. And, you know, I was part of the original. You know, I learned you know, yeah, ART yeah. back in 97 with Charles Poliquin and Mark Lindsay and um, Keith you, Pine. You, you, you learned the correct way. You were saying, like, it's uh, what you were saying that uh, the difference between tension and compression, wasn't it? Yeah, it's interesting when you get treated by Mike. Like everyone always thinks that active release is painful. And when you get treated by Mike, a lot of times it isn't. And it's a lot of people just go in and they just drive their thumb into the actual tissues too hard versus the tension. And especially, you know, I had Guy Voyer present for me a couple of times who's one of the mm. top osteopaths in the world. And when he's, when you get treated by him or even learn his technique, it's unbelievably soft and, 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 cause I mean, the fascia is just underneath. It's a very, very gentle technique. And they found more and more that if the technique isn't working, you go less, not more. So a lot of people kind of miss that. Um, so those are some of the different techniques that are very, very powerful, uh, out there. Anyone by Dave Tate, he's come out with some great, you know, training principles, Stu McGill, um, Rob Rakowski, um, it's, they're all great. And the, the cool part is you get to meet them all and get sort of like a little, you know, taste of what they're able to do, you know, at Swiss. So they're all going to be coming back. And, uh, and again, it's just learning more tools. It's one thing, you know, to to be able to treat it um, or to train people. But if you understand some of the protocols, you don't necessarily need to do it yourself, but at least you know that it's there. And, you know, it's the same thing with me. I don't have an x-ray unit in my clinic, but there's one down the street in the hospital, and it's a digital one. It's a very, very powerful one. So I just refer people out. 
I say, these are the views that I want. And they, you know, and they do it. So I, you don't necessarily need to do it yourself. You know, uh, focus in on one area. Probably the one piece of advice that I could give people, whether you're a, a fitness professional or um, health professional, is focus in on one area and become the go-to person in that area. And so I did a presentation at the chiropractic college here uh, a few years ago on business. And everyone was asking, you know, how do you become busy? You know, we're going to graduate and we've got these, you know, $100,000 loans. We have to start making money, uh, you know, out of the get-go. And so how do we build the, the clinic? I said, become known in a specific area. And it's super counterintuitive because everyone always thinks that the more that you niche yourself down, the less people that are there. And it's the exact opposite. People don't mm, want to go mm. to generalists anymore. They're more interested in someone specific. So I posed it to the students and I said, who's the go-to person here in Toronto? We have 4 million people. We have, you know, a couple of thousand chiropractors in the area. Who's the go-to person for chiropractic in football? They didn't know. How about road cycling? They didn't know anyone. Uh, how about soccer? Well, we have one chiropractor that does focus in on that, but usually it's not, you know, we, we got literally hundreds and hundreds of teams, you know, uh, for, you know, uh, junior soccer and women's soccer and all that. There is no one. I said, what about weight training? And everyone said, you. I said, absolutely. Cause I've, every single article that I write is about weight training. Every single seminar I do, I pull in weight training. I do large symposiums. I do seminars. I do all these different things to build my brand, to build my reputation in that area. Because I like weight training. I'm, I'm super happy when, you know, another powerlifter comes in who's 300 pounds, has no neck, and, you know, his bench uh, hurts when he's benching 700. Cool. Like for most, most people, they're like, why do you want to bench 700? And I'm like, hey, let's see if we can get you to 800. You know, so it, it makes it fun for me. And also people will travel a distance because they understand it and the, the person they're talking to. So it doesn't matter that, you know, whatever you want to do. So if you're doing in the fit, in the fitness profession, you know, focus in. You can either take, you know, uh, an area and the person that's done the best at this is Stu McGill. He's the back guy. You know, I did a seminar uh, back in the early 2000s, and I was working on the shoulder. I said, Stu, you want to go, you know, come present? And he says, what are you doing this year? Shoulder. He says, no. He says, when you do back again? Actually, in 2015, I contacted him. He says, what are you doing? I said, shoulder. He says, contact me when you do below back. I said, okay. So in 2016, I phoned him up. I said, I'm doing low back. He says, I'll be there. And, you know, he basically does these, you know, incredible seminars, and he's focusing on it, and, and it's not myopic. And you can charge more. People are more enthusiastic and because you can't be everything. So in the fitness profession, become really good at low back or a knee or a shoulder or contest preparation or a specific sport, you know, and become the go-to person. So people seek you out instead of always having to bang on doors. And same thing in uh, the uh, health profession become really good at, you know, this one uh, student that was sitting in the front. I said, what's your favorite thing to do as far as hobby? She's a cyclist. I said, perfect. Build yourself a website, make a small book, start writing blogs, and do some YouTubes on cycling and how you can be a better cyclist and what are all the cycling injuries. 
And especially from a chiropractic standpoint, if I knew and I had a cyclist in my clinic and it was confusing because I know nothing about cycling, um, I would refer him to you because you understand it. You know, so that's how we can all work together, you know, but it makes your profession now fun, whether it's in the training world or whether it's in the health world. And that's what you need to do in order to have longevity, because the biggest problem that we're having in the training world is that people get in, they get disillusioned and they, they leave. And there's so many people that can contribute and, and create new ideas and develop and, and it just makes it fun. So you, you have 20,000 books. More. All right. Yeah, more. What, where, where do you where do you store those? And then what what's your favorite? <laughs> what, 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 what would be your what would be your top? Well, if I say one, you've got twenty thousand. But if I give you five to take on a stranded island, <laughs> if I was on a stranded island, I'd bring my iPad with a solar charger because I got probably another thousand on there. Um, Probably the biggest ones would be uh, books by Anthony Robbins, Waking the Giant Within. So that Great is, book. I actually, yeah. I actually read that book this year only. You know oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I put it, like when I read it, I was like, still a classic. Like, it's still so applicable. It's, Maybe Barry Warner, Warner. His exercise recommendations like, oh, I'll give him the benefit of that. It was like 26 years ago. Yeah. Um, anything by Norm Sheely, who's a medical doctor and PhD. He's... Um, uh, been involved in the industry for you know decades and decades. He's a neurosurgeon. He actually invented the uh, tens unit back in the sixties, and one of the companies stole his patent. But he used to do. I have to get. I have to get you to send me that name. Not what Norm Sheely. Sheely, yeah. Sheely. S H E A L Y. Doctor Norm Sheely. Norm Sheely. He opened up. Okay. He opened up the first chronic pain clinic in uh, United States in 1972, and um, he left surgery because we basically found that low back surgery wasn't really effective for low back pain, and so he was looking for other protocols. So everything from acupuncture to past life regression to emotional, like nothing was, everything was open, and uh, so I've spent. A number of different seminars and time with him, and uh, phenomenal, phenomenal person as far as understanding what works, why, how, um, on on all is levels. On all. Is he still alive? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 He's in his eighties and he's still kicking around, still teaching, and you know he did a lot of work with Edgar Casey down at Edgar Casey Institute in Florida, um, and uh, Carolyn Mice, and so yeah, some of the stuff you kind of look at, it's like. Well, that seems a little, you know, whacked out, but hey, he gets results, you know, and that's the main thing. Uh, one of the things that he found, he um, had a chronic pain clinic and there was one person, uh, I think he was in the military and he had uh, had chronic pain in his leg and low back and, um, and it was really, really bad. And he walked in one day and he said, how are you doing? And he said, fine, I have no pain. And he says, well, what do you mean you have no pain? how did you do that? He said, I just turned it off. And Norm goes, well, how'd you do that? He says, I don't know. So Norm went back and got his PhD in neuropsychology to really understand, you know, what are the different brain pathways, you know, that you can control from a conscious and also unconscious level and also from an energetic level. 
So in his uh, clinic, you know, he had different sound therapies. You know, he had this one chair that you sit in it and it has all these speakers built within the actual chair with different frequencies. Uh, he would use light therapies. He would just travel the world, you know, to try and find, you know, how do you deal with chronic pain? And because, I mean, so many people are being tortured, you know, that way. And he created, you know, some new essential oils that you put on acupuncture points and he's able to decrease cortisol by 30%, you know, just whacked out shit. It's like, really? You know, how do you, how do you do that? You know, so, you know, again, have an open mind, question it, be more focused on results as opposed to how does it work? Because a lot of times we don't know how things work. And over time, hopefully we will, but we don't know how the universe works, let alone our own bodies. So that's so you have you have Anthony Robbins, Norm Sheely. You have three other authors you can take. <laughs> uh, David Leaf. I would definitely use David Leaf as a huge resource, or anything by George Goodhart. Those two mm-hmm. have been probably the biggest influence for me, uh, treatment protocols and treatment wise. So they have a number of different books and resources. Um, and uh, again, David has presented for me a number of times. Um, so that's been very, very helpful. Um, I would say uh, Mike Leahy, you know, mm. definitely uh, with the active release. He changed uh, chiropractic from the aspect he was able to introduce a protocol. Uh, and he's just uh, created a whole new system. I don't know if people are aware, but it's a level two. And uh, so it's all new protocols, and they're getting phenomenal results that way. Um, so, yeah, anything by uh, Mike Leahy, and that's more something, you know, can you learn it yourself? Yeah, but you know what? It's kind of like learning how to swim out of a book. You know, can I learn all the, you know, kinesiology and the mechanics of how to swim? Yeah, it's a lot different when you jump in the pool. Like, I mean, all of a sudden, theories just leave. You know, you literally need to do hands-on type of work and to uh, understand how to do that. Um, the other person that's had a huge influence, and he's uh, coming back more and more, is um, uh, Dr. Mauro Di Pasquale. So mm. he's coming out with new newsletters and all that. But as far as from a high level, as far as nutrition and information that way, he's uh, he's definitely the go-to guy along with uh, Eric Serrano. You know, those guys have been on the forefront at a high level and a no-bullshit level. Like, you know, there a lot of people talk about, you know, getting people ready for shows or competition or anything else. And they always kind of forget – you know, the whole anabolic issue, and both of those guys are well-versed. Marl Di Pasquale, he's probably one of the top people understanding how anabolics work, why they work, and what needs to be, you know, done in that area. So, you know, that's been phenomenal. Um, yeah, those those would be my go-to guys, you know, as far as, uh, you know, and another one that he's a really, really good friend, and most people don't know who he is, but his name is Dr. Karim Dehani. He's a naturopath, and he does all the German biological medicine. And I just saw him last week, and uh, you know, we've been friends for you know over a decade. And he's doing some super advanced testing and genetics, and and it'll actually change how things are analyzed. So he presented for me at Swiss 2015 and 2016, but he's probably one of the most knowledgeable people 
in that area as far as German biological medicine, how to do assessments and treatments and protocols that way, everything from blood work to urine work to saliva and then all the different energy medicine uh, protocols that uh, would be effective. And, we, you know, I've been in this clinic many times and the chronic problems that show up there are just baffling. And uh, for him to assess it and find out all these small distinctions, that would make a huge, huge difference. Yeah, I heard you mention him on the the Train Right podcast interview you did. Um, so uh, yeah, he he's was... when you when you chat with him, it's kind of like, yeah, I know nothing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a fraud. Ken, <laughs> yeah. uh, in in terms of some of the biggest lessons you've learned so far in your career in life, what what would you say there? Um, the biggest thing that I've learned is uh, it, it actually happened in um, 1986. I was down in Detroit. So I was signing up to uh, – I was in a hotel, and I was there for the first Tony Robbins seminar. So I'm at the uh, front desk registration, and all of a sudden the light uh, behind me disappeared. So I looked up, and <laughs> it was Tony Robbins. He was just registering. I went, oh, my God, Tony, how you doing? He says, oh, awesome. Yeah, I said, I'm here to see you, you know, everything. So he goes, well, how would you hear about the seminar? And I went, oh, okay, this is cool. He's doing some market research. I said, well, I read your book and found the address in the back of the book. And then I um, uh, you know, signed up and brought some friends down and everything else. He says, oh, awesome. It's going to be great. And uh, I said, I have a question for you. He says, what's that? I said, how do I get the most out of this seminar? And this is the way that I've kind of played my whole life. He says, play full out. I went, what do you mean by that? He says, I don't know what it is that's going to be difficult for you here, but play full out. Don't sit there and just take notes. When I say, you know, do certain things, certain exercises and everything else, just do it 100%. Play full out. And I went, oh, okay. And I had no idea what to expect, you know, with this, you know, seminar. So on the Friday night, if people have never been to a Tony Robbins seminar, on the Friday night, you actually do the firewalk. So it's about 12 feet long. The coals are about um, 2,000 degrees. And um, and you walk across. You get yourself into a state and you, you know, go across this. And if you get yourself into it's almost like, you know, if I'm going to psych myself up for a powerlifting lift, you know, squat, you know, I get myself psyched up and everything else. Well, it's the same state that you get yourself into. And Tony will be the first person to say, you know, there's no social or economic value of firewalking. But what it does give you is that you didn't think you could do this. And now it gives you a reference that you didn't think you could do it and you did it. And uh, now you can use that for anything else. So I do the firewalk and it was in February in Detroit which is very cold. There's ice, there's snow and everything else. And it's out in this parking lot. And there's about six different, uh, there's about 400 people there and they have six different fire pits going at the same time. So I find this other powerlifter from Pittsburgh and we're all, you know, jacked up and psyched up. So this powerlifter, he goes across first and, you know, he's all, you know, stops at the end and they stop you and, you know, you can celebrate. And then I go across, no problem. And, um, uh, <laughs> the powerlifter, he's there. So when I go across, he grabs me, he gives me a big hug. Well, his feet slip out. He throws me over his shoulder, and I land right on top of my head uh, on the pavement, and I get knocked out. I'm unconscious. 
So they picked me up. They threw me into a back of a truck. And uh, Tony Robbins found out that someone <laughs> is unconscious. And so I wake up and uh, Tony goes, you okay? And I had a huge goose egg on my head. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I said, uh, he says, well, what do you want to do? I said, I want to do it again. He says, what do you mean? He says, well, right now, if I don't do the fire walk again, I'm going to be afraid of it. And I said, this, that's not what I want. I said, but I do have a request. I want you to get me ready for it because I, you know, obviously I'm, you know, still a little woozy. He says, yeah, not a problem. So he psyched me up, he got me and went across it. And, and the hardest thing for me, like I, when he said play full out, the hardest thing for me was to hug another guy just because I was pretty two-dimensional and, you know, I was a power lifter and a welder and, you know, beyond macho and you only hug women, not guys. And that was probably the biggest thing that shifted for me was that to become comfortable hugging another guy and it doesn't have to be weird or awkward or anything else. Just another way of just showing appreciation and everything else. So that was a huge. So when I came back, Everyone saw a huge change in me because I wasn't just this two-dimensional stiff character. I had, you know, these other aspects and to be able to relate and to communicate differently and whatnot. So, so yeah. So uh, the biggest thing for me has been to play full out. And even if I don't know how to do it, like I'm a welder by trade and I went to chiropractic college. I'm not very smart. I just work really, really hard, and because uh, I, I, I've been with really, really smart people that have photographic memories and audiographic anything they hear, they learn. I'm not like that. I am a good synthesizer, though. So what I do is I just take a whole bunch of information, put it together in a different way, and see whether or not it'll work. And so I'm very pragmatic that way. Where you know, let's find out what works versus it should work because that's what the cookie cutter recipe says. A lot of times it doesn't work that way. That's an amazing story. Ken, do you have any tips on, on how to learn? Like, so how, how do you like to, to take in information and retain it? And then, and then not only that, but how do you then take action on what you've learned? So have you got any good tips on, on how you like to learn? Because I, I think, uh, did you say later on you like to, you like to record the seminars? Because like, I, I always bring dictaphones to everything that I like. Mm-hmm. I'm allowed to bring things to. Yeah. Because I always like listening back. I, I, I do well with listening back things over and over again. Yeah, the biggest thing is to find out what your learning style is. So some of us are very visual. So if we see it, we'll, we'll understand it. Other people are more audiographic. So they're, um, uh, they learn by listening. And some people are kinesthetic. And uh, so they need to do it. And um, so you, it, once you understand how that works and if you can do all three, then it works even better. So whenever I do seminars, my very first you know, focus is what do I want to get out of the seminar and what is it relatable to? Because you can always attach other things onto uh, what you've already learned. And if you do that, you don't learn it out of context. You basically just build on something else and you'll retain it because now it'll stick. You can find it again. And then after the seminar, what I do is I go through all my notes and now I just do bullet points. What were the big ahas that I got out of that? And I'll write that down and then I'll reread it probably later in the week or even uh, later on to see whether or not and then try and implement it. So. You know, the thing that I've learned with Anthony Robbins is that it's one thing to have knowledge, you know, but I mean, you got to apply that knowledge. So what's the yeah. one thing that you're going to do? 
before you actually leave to actually implement it and, and to build a strategy and how do you schedule it and then how do you make sure that you stay on top of it. Yeah, I had a mentor one time say, uh, knowledge is power, applied knowledge is power. So I always remember that, I've always tried to carry that forward. Because to be honest, it, on a personal level, I'd say that's my biggest downfall. It's like, I just love, just actually love learning, learn, learn, but I definitely need to pull the trigger on, on some of the stuff I've learned a lot more. And it's, because anytime you do actually take action, you find that is when you do get your greatest results. It's just, I suppose it's like, as Stephen Pressfield writes about in his book, the, the uh, the war of art, you know, it's that resistance you have to overcome, you know? Yeah, and just make yourself accountable. So whether it be making a bet, I've done that many, many times where, you know, I, if I want to change a behavior, uh, it's like, you know what, I'll make a bet with someone. Or if I'm going to get ready for a competition, I sign up. And now it's in stone. Now I'm going to show up. Or if I want to lose, you know, 20 pounds, I'll bet someone that I'm going to lose it in uh, in, a, in two months. And if I don't, I'll give them a thousand dollars. So that, all yeah. of a sudden, it's kind of like I'm putting putting it down. So, and it's funny because when you do that with people, they'll do everything possible not to. They want the thousand dollars, so they'll try and sabotage you. And now that even builds up more of your will because now you're kind of like it's 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 emotionalized. It's not just you know uh, intellectual. So it's emotionalized okay. information and protocols. You put something behind it, and if you put emotion behind it and some passion, it gets done. It gets done. Absolutely. Ken, wrapping up here, just uh, last bit of advice to listeners in terms of this could be any more like life advice. If you, if you could leave the, the world that with one piece of advice, what, what would that be? Just play full out. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, uh, if you don't think that you can do it, uh, just try. Try your best. Find some people that will support you in whatever that you can do. You know, you, you know, I'm, I'm a powerlifting welder guy that, you know, all of a sudden went into a complete different profession of uh, doing uh, seminars and, and uh, became a chiropractor and everything else of that nature. And now I'm just learning everything possible about the Internet and how can I make that influence even larger. So for the past two, three years, all I've been doing is going to Internet seminars and understanding you know, social media and marketing and, and uh, whatnot. So, but the biggest thing is just play full out. Just, just find what you, know, you want to do and uh, have some fun with it. That's the biggest thing. You know, find what you really, really enjoy and just run with it. And how can you make an impact? The biggest thing is to make a significance within yourself. But now you can create and contribute a lot more. And, uh, and it doesn't matter who it is. Like, I mean, every single musician out there, a lot of them are very, very insecure, but they still go out on stage and, you know, and they're playing full out. Literally, I'm a musician also. So the whole thing is going in front of an audience and be able to play. And sometimes they like you and sometimes they don't. Um, but that's OK. You know, the whole thing is, you know, how can you make a difference? And if you play full out. Uh, that's that's what happens. It doesn't matter if it's in a relationship. It doesn't matter if it's with your kids, with your business, because right now we're getting more and more lackadaisical. We're getting almost lazy. You know, the, the entitlement mentality is there. People have forgotten how to work and work hard. And uh, but you can make that work a lot, a lot of fun. It's just in, in turn, I heard you say on. Uh Hayden Wilson's podcast about a few of the business resources you looked into. So you, you mentioned Jeff Walker and Ryan Dyson. Is there any any other ones you'd recommend? Uh, Shailene Johnson. 
She's excellent. She's in the fitness world and um, fantastic uh, for just even more basic information. I was actually at Jeff Walker's seminar uh, a few months back wow. uh, again. Um, and uh, also with Ryan Dice, he did a conversion and uh, content and conversion seminar. Um, mm. So he's really, really good. Um, Lisa Sasevich is also really good. So speak to Sal. And she's fantastic. I can send you the some of the links on that. So she teaches you yeah. on how to present, but even more importantly, how do you sell from the stage and not be salesy? So it doesn't. Have you looked at any uh, of Russell Brunson or um, yep. Russell Brunson? Who's, who's the other one? Who's not yeah, I got. Oh, uh, R- R- Ryan Levesque, the ass method. No, I don't know uh, Ryan Levesque. Ryan Levesque. I've seen Russell Brunson. I've chatted with him, um, and, and he's yeah. uh, with ClickFunnels. Um, yeah. so he's really good also. Um, yeah, but a digital marketer by far is one of the greatest resources. Um, he's really good. Uh, and Jeff Walker, they're the main guys that are out there right now making yeah. the biggest difference. All right, Ken, last one for you. We, we're going to dinner. You can bring, you can invite five people dead or alive. <laughs> who, who, who are you bringing? And, and why? Um, I, I think the first person would be Nikolai Tesla. Oh, yeah. 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 You're the first person to say that. I love Tesla. Yeah. So, what, a, what a genius. Yeah. So someone that just literally uh, thought outside of the box um, to really understand how things work. The other person would be Royal Raymond Rife who created the oh. uh, Rife uh, microscope and also the protocols with that. Unfortunately, he was nice. stopped by the uh, medical establishment. Um, actually, a good book for people to read. It's called Politics of Healing by Dan Haley. And it's uh, 12 life stories of how a lot of the suppression of um, proper nutrition has been done and how people, um, disinformation got uh, suppressed. Six. Say that title again, Politics of... Healing. Healing. By Dan Haley. Perfect. Dan Haley, cool. Uh, Anthony Robbins. He would be phenomenal. You're not, you're not going to invite uh, Thomas Edison and test it on him and have a few blows? Nah, they, that's, that's their world. You know, that's... Uh, nah, <laughs> they can... They're, they're fighting it up in the, in the nether world right now. Yeah, yeah, gentlemen, gentlemen, we're here for dinner. Exactly, exactly. Um, it would be interesting to have uh, a conversation with uh, Schwarzenegger too. Mm. You know, I've always really appreciated him on a lot of different levels: on a humanitarian level, on a, a bodybuilding level, uh, success, uh, what it took uh, to make an impact. I know short story. You know, at the Arnold's, um, the ICA. Uh, International Chiropractic Association, they always bring Arnold to present for us, and then you can have a photo with him, a photo op. So I remember one year at Columbus, you know, I had my picture with Arnold and then went downstairs with my brother and my cousin, and we're just down in the lobby. And uh, Arnold had finished taking photos, and he came down um, the stairs, and Arnold's time is extremely, extremely tight when he's at the Arnold because everyone wants a piece of him. Everything is structured, like there's a car outside, door is open, and he has the entourage, bodyguards, and photographers, and everything else. Uh, and so there is this uh, gentleman with his um, son, and his son has Down syndrome, 
but he's a lifter. And uh, so Arnold walks by this uh, the, the boy and the, the father, and the kid looks up, and he says, Arnold. And Arnold looks at him. He says, hey, how you doing? He goes, oh, great, Arnold. I've been training hard and everything else. He says, oh, fantastic. Gets down on one knee and starts having this conversation and with him. He says, so how often do you train? Like there's no one around. He didn't need to do that. So, you know, his uh, uh, assistant says, Arnold, we've got to go. Well, he flashes this guy the, the ugliest look like back off. You know, and so the guy backed off and he chats with him for another 15, 20 seconds about his training and all this. And he says, you know what? I want a photo with you. Where's, uh, where's the photographer? So they have a photo and the father's taking a photo. And uh, he says, okay, you keep training. Okay. He says, I will, Arnold. I will. And, you know, the father's crying. The kid's crying. We're crying. Because, I mean, it was just unbelievable. It lasted less than a minute. No one saw it. You'd never see it in social media. You'd never see anything. But he knew the impact that he had on one person. And it was, that just that blew me away. That just gave me all the respect. You know, Arnold's had a very interesting life and he's, you know, done some things that he probably regrets. But, um, you know, just as a. Okay, no, nobody, no, no, nobody's perfect. No, no one's perfect. Like, look at Martin Luther King. Like, I mean, everyone, like, you know, talks about, like, you know, he, he had those misfits. Oh, so did so JFK. And, you know, it just, you so know, they, the Mason yeah, exactly. They're all yeah, one exactly. dogs. Like, J- J- JFK, the fucking world would be over there. Wasn't <laughs> like, the, and p- p- look up look up the Cuban Missile Crisis people and you'll have some respect for that man. <laughs> yeah. They're all there. I think we should bomb them as president. He's like, eh, I don't think we should, actually. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not listen to everyone else in this room and go with the, my good instinct here. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that just respected me we, the most uh, out of Arnold. Just seeing that one interaction, yeah, the yeah. impact that you can have, and you never know what impact that you can have by saying something nice, a nice word, um, and especially the more famous you become and the more impactful you become, you know, just be nice, be open. I've met too many people that are very smart, but they're also not very nice people, and they're just insecure. So. So yeah, so those would be my uh, main people that uh, I would uh, bring out. So who, who did, we had uh, we had, had Tesla, we had the gentleman with the with the microscope. Oh, Royal, Royal Raymond Rife, uh huh. Yeah, Tony, uh, Tony Arnold. We had Tony Arnold. You have one more. Hmm. You don't have the significant other or partner because usually if you don't bring them, you're in trouble. Uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know what? Um, I'm thinking from a female standpoint. I actually thought you were going to say Bill Kazmaier. You love Kaz. Oh, yeah. Kaz is awesome. Yeah, Kazmaier would be awesome. But a female, you know, I've had so many influential females. Um, probably my grandmother. Nice. Yeah, probably my grandmother. She was a shaman, so she uh, she was one powerful lady. Unreal. Ken, listen, this has been a... I could honestly talk to you for hours. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Just, it's fun with like-minded people. Yeah. That's why I like doing podcasts. I'm probably going to set up doing my own too since I'm so heavily networked. It would be interesting bringing oh, some of absolutely. these characters on. Yeah, yeah. Be, and it, it, yeah, for me with your network and resources and, and that, you merge that with maybe some of some of the stuff you're learning from Dice and Walker, you know? So, yeah, and, uh, uh, and you've got to make it out to Swiss 2018 and you'll be a guest of mine, so I want you to come. 
Oh, fucking, that would be unreal. To be honest, I, I might be moving to the States. Out there, there's a few work opportunities, so and, and one might be close enough to the Canadian border. It depends if one or two in the pipeline. But, Ken, I'll just wrap this up, and then I'll, I'll say goodbye to you offline. So, guys, listen, that was, as usual with me, I always, like, all my podcasts, nearly every guest is like, yeah, we'll go for an hour or an hour or so, like, every 20 minutes, and they always go longer because just the content and the conversation is just so good. So uh, I really appreciate uh, Dr. Ken Kamaka being on today. Well, thank you. Um, it was just an absolute pleasure. So, Ken, again, just stay on for one more second. I'll wrap up. So, guys, thanks for listening today. Please share this out on all your social media outlets and leave a review if you can. But for now, take care, be well, and as always, stay strong. Thank you.